Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, now we have tape comments, starting first with Ron and Santa. All right, here's Ron. All right, I am voting Minko off the island. I thought Sid's, uh, Sid's presentation was strong today, and it was very funny. I thought he had the upper hand on humor. So we're going with Sid on the island, Minko off the island. Boy, that was a, an actual cut from the Amis in the Morning Show from 22 years ago. Sid Rosenberg versus John Minko with the opportunity to be Don Imus's full-time sports guy. And unfortunately, I won. <laughs> Ron and Santa, unlike Mike Breen, did pick me, amongst others. Here he is, CNBC, many, many years. One of the smartest guys and loyal guys I know, Ron and Santa. Ron, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing great, but was that 20 years ago? 22 years 22 ago. 22 years ago? Yeah. Billy oh, yeah. So Cabot was in the room, Boomer Esiason, Lupica. Uh, i trying to remember who else. There were 10 of us. Oh, yeah. You. Mike Breen was there. Um, yeah, oh, Breen was there. You had the yeah. Mike and the Mad Dog on the phone, Deirdre on the phone. You had uh, <laughs> Ivy and Dweck in studio, Bernard, Lewis. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> I will tell you that, you know what? That was some of the most fun I ever had in my life. No, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was, you know, he also beat the hell out of you. Uh, like, it was much oh, more vicious day. to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was brutal. I mean, you know, you know, he would wish me dead at the end of every segment. <laughs> right. it, was, it was lovely. <laughs> that was the odd man. Well, Ron, let's get to uh, the business. First of all, uh, you never answered me about the movie. Can we talk about it or no? Yeah. Well, talk about it. I mean, I'm going to be in, in, in a, I've been in two movies. This is a big deal. It's already in my book, which, by the way, um, everywhere, every TV show all across America, they can read about Ron and Santa, me and the movie. Tell folks what you've got coming out in a couple of months. Well, it's not, it is not coming out. We are going into production. Right. But it's, it's a movie based on the book called The Great Salad Oil Swindle, which was a scandal in 1963 in which a gentleman by the name of Tino DeAngelis tried to corner the world market in soy oil futures. To do that, he leased out empty petroleum tankers in Bayonne, New Jersey, filled them with salt water, floated oil on the top, proceeded to borrow hundreds of millions of dollars from lending institutions on Wall Street and elsewhere, crashed the stock market in the four days before JFK was assassinated. And it's, it was the biggest scandal since the 1920s. Deceptively simple, and everybody went for it. A guy who should have never been lent any money, given his checkered past. Same story. It's it's Madoff. It's Elizabeth Holmes. It's any other, you know, guy who or gal who decided to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, and everybody went for it because the money looked like it was going to be big. Wow, and again, the only reason why the story didn't become bigger, like you just said, was that Kennedy was assassinated right at that time. That Friday, yeah. So all of this had happened in the four days before JFK was shot. And uh, I wrote about it in a book 22 years ago uh, called The Message of the Markets, and I was writing about the Kennedy assassination and the way the market behaved 
before the news of JFK being shot hit the tape, and everybody thought it was another leg in the DeAngelis scandal uh, hitting the street. And instead it was uh, JFK at first being shot in Dallas and then everybody being informed that he had been assassinated. Wow. And um, if uh, this uh, goes the way it's supposed to go, I'll be playing one of DeAngelis's buddies or cohorts or what? What is uh... Bert Rudoy? Bert Rudoy, one of the one of the guys, one of the guys who misdirects everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Great! <laughs> what a further the stud, the typecast, the stereo cast. I mean, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> one, one of the least, one of the least honest guys in my group. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right, the movie will be called The Tank Job, and uh, we'll start yes. production soon. In Bayonne, New Jersey. Very excited about yeah, that. We're, we're going to shoot. We're hoping to shoot in Patterson, Bayonne, Newark, um, and uh, yeah, New Jersey. Look, New Jersey has become a very interesting place to shoot movies. There, uh, generous tax credits. There's a lot of uh, studio facilities here, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. Governor Murphy's done a, a really good job, actually, in uh, promoting the film industry. A lot of talent uh, on the. Uh, other side of the camera. There's so uh, of, uh, are you saying that it, it makes more sense now? Uh, Governor Murphy, Governor Hochul, I can't stand either one of them. So, But are you telling me from well, no, a— mo- Phil's a good guy, actually. Is he a good guy? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just absolutely. know that he, the, the state is falling apart. But you're, you're telling me it's better to film movies in New Jersey now financially than New York? Uh, yeah, the tax credit in New Jersey is more generous. It's 30% above the line and below the line. Wow. I love New York, uh, but, but their their credit is only below the line. Gotcha. So it's, gotcha. it's actually financially more advantageous to shoot, at least at the moment, in in, uh, in New Jersey. All right, there you have it, folks. I'm playing Bert Rudoy. The name of the movie is The Tank Job. Ron and Santa, his uh, brainchild. And you'll learn more about this here on this show and on my social media platforms as well. Stay tuned. Let's get to the, uh, the Fed here. Well, let's start with inflation, Ron and Santa. Where are we? Okay. What's going on? Uh, is it going to improve dramatically anytime soon? Give me the latest on inflation. So it's starting to come down. So we're seeing some softer numbers. They're still elevated relative to the Fed's 2% target. They're still elevated relative to history, though not a record. Everybody keeps talking about record inflation. This is not a record. Uh, From 1977 to 1981, inflation averaged 10.4%. So we're not quite at the record stage yet. We're starting to see commodity prices fall. We're seeing a big buildup of inventories and everything from uh, I don't know if you've taken your children to back to school shopping, but yes. um, there's a huge glut of apparel, and the <laughs> discounts are are quite big, 25 to 70 percent. If you go up to Woodbury Commons, which is someplace I took my daughter a couple weeks ago, and you know we're starting to see auto vehicle production back to where it was pre-pandemic. Oil prices have fallen rather sharply. Gas is down more than 70 days in a row. It's down a dollar 20 a gallon. So yeah, the fever's breaking. But the Fed said it's going to keep raising interest rates until they are certain that inflation has been defeated. So that means they're going to raise again in September, probably by three-quarters of a point, and then also uh, continue on into the end of the year. Oh, my God. How high do you think those rates will get when it's over and done? They're talking on the short end anywhere from 35 to 4%. Some people are calling for them to go to 5 I think that's insane. I think that would cause a recession. I think that would also cause some breakage in the market that would force them to stop doing it anyway. See, as bad as things here, uh, I've been told by very smart people like you that Europe is a real ass show. They've got an energy crisis. Uh, Their economy is falling apart. So as bad as uh, people complain here in the United States, Europe right now, worse. No, way worse. I mean, they're they're, they're looking at double-digit inflation. 
since Russia has uh, curtailed uh, energy exports, particularly natural gas, we've seen the price of natural gas explode in Europe. And the problem here now is they're going to start, at least potentially, they may have to rate ration some of their energy supplies, and that could shut down businesses across the board. Germany has about 80 percent of what's necessary, which is a better number than we thought they'd have at this juncture. But still, it's a very disruptive uh, event, and, and the more Russia constrains the gas supply, the more, which actually for our exporters is great, the more we're providing uh, natural gas to, to Europe. Qatar is doing the same thing. But it's going to be a disruptive winter. If it really gets cold, there are going to be some very, very serious problems in Europe that aren't just a recession. There will hey, be some real life and right. death issues. Explain to me why uh, Andrew Cuomo, Hochul, they would ban fracking. I, I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious, more jobs, right? You get to export some of that gas. Why would anybody inside a state like this, which is falling apart, uh, ban something like fracking when it makes all the economic sense in the world? Well, I mean, so you take Manhattan out of the picture where you're not going to frack, right? I mean, so you know, right, obviously. you're not going to see drilling activity in the middle of, you know, Fifth, Fifth Avenue, right? You know, right, right, right by the fun. casino on 42nd Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Look, there are there are concerns that you know the the byproduct of fracking is is groundwater contamination from all the various you know chemicals that are used to extract oil and gas from the ground. And you know in Oklahoma there have been concerns about earthquakes and things like that. So it, it's it's not necessarily um, entirely out of line to have that, that, that those thoughts. We do, however, whether we're in transition or not, we need the natural gas. And so, look, I mean. They frack in Pennsylvania. They they, they frack in in different parts of the country. And and fracking has at one point had us the largest producer of both natural gas and oil in the world in 2020. And so, look, I'm in favor of it. It is a big environmental question, however, and it just depends which state you live in and and whether or not people are you know willing to to have their communities, if you will, disrupted by that. Look, upstate Western New York, where I grew up does have oil deposits and natural gas deposits. And given Buffalo, where I, where I was born, you know, could, could use uh, some economic development. It right. wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, of course uh, not. Right. Okay. So you uh, agree. They need to bring it back. Uh, Bills, yeah, 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 yeah. Bills and Rams next Thursday night, the NFL opener. That's a big deal. Uh, the IRS is about to add 87,000 agents. Uh, tell my listeners how that's good for anyone. <laughs> First of all, 50,000 agents are retiring over the next several years. So we are replacing IRS agents. The IRS has been wildly underfunded for quite a number of years now. And the reason the IRS, uh, generally speaking, audits more middle-income and lower-income people than wealthy people is they don't have the staff to undertake the type of uh, processes that you need to audit those who are in either tax avoidance or uh, not just avoidance, but actually trying to bypass paying taxes altogether. That takes manpower. You can't do it without sophisticated uh, agents who have as much knowledge as the tax attorneys and others who are helping others evade taxes. And so, look, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, there are a host of regulatory agencies that are wildly underfunded and understaffed, Securities and Exchange Commission and the IRS being the two most obvious. And so, look, they're not coming after middle-income people. That's not the point. They're not being given guns. There are a handful of, of agents who get guns because they do have, in some cases, you know, to go after criminals who are evading taxes and who are 
both, um, you know, tax evaders and also violent individuals. So this thing has been really overblown. It's really been, and I think, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation about this. And again, 50,000 agents are going to retire over the next five to 10 years. And so a lot of it's just replacement money so that the, the IRS can maintain its staff. You know, Ron, about every two or three months, my Instagram account, my Facebook account, they get hacked. And it turns out it's some young Asian kid, I swear to God, who's in his house somewhere in, the, in, in China, and they're uh, out there promoting Bitcoin. So, like, I know nothing about that. I got to be honest, nothing about it. I, I know that every now and then I see opportunities where they offer to pay you in Bitcoin instead of cash. I thought the whole thing was dead. I thought Bitcoin took such a beating a couple of months ago, dead and buried, but I guess not. Is there any future in that? Uh, there's probably a future in the blockchain technology which underlies it. I, I, I am not, you know, kind of a, a crypto person. I, I, I've been wrong for well, it's now twenty thousand dollars. So I was, <laughs> I was wrong for sixty-seven thousand dollars from a hundred. So had I had I spent ten thousand dollars on it when it was a hundred bucks, I would not be talking to you this morning. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I understand that it's a speculative asset. I don't see the use function. So unless you're sitting there day trading it in front of your computer all day. Uh, as as some sort of speculative asset that to me has no inherent value, um, I wouldn't go on anywhere near it. But that's just me. Now what I'm about now what but what about the market? It's been uh, and I don't follow it every yeah. day. You do. It seems like up down up down um, and not very stable. What what about the market? As long as the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, it's tough to get a bull market going. So you get bear market bounces like we just had over the last several weeks. And I would I would you, look. I mean. If you're a young person or you're not re- near retirement, you continue doing what you're doing because in the course of the 38 years that I've done this, we've had bull and bear markets throughout that entire time. And if you had just applied the same disciplined approach every month, putting money away, something simple like an S&P 500 index, you're up huge. So when I was born in 1961, the Dow was at 660. So if my parents had had the, the, the money to put away, you know, buy me right. some stocks, IBM, right. whatever – I, I, you know, I would have had a boatload of money by now. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And so uh, I would have the kind of money that would allow me the freedom to say certain things to certain people that I can't currently say. So um, you just keep doing it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, you just, it's a disciplined approach. If you're 70, 75, and you can't afford the risk of another deep drawdown in stocks, you know, you lighten your load, you probably buy some short-term treasury bills and just wait this out until it's over. And then when the Fed starts cutting rates again within the next year or so, you go all in. All right, so let's, let's, let's wrap this up in a nice little bow. I had uh, your friend and colleague Monica Crowley on last week. and we talked. and I really close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so funny because, like, you know, I'll bring on Charlie Gasparino. He'll take a shot at you. I'll bring on, you know, Cudlow. They all like you. They're like, oh, I really like Ron and Santa. Charlie but doesn't like me. Yeah. Charlie does not no, like No, he doesn't like you. I don't like Charlie. No. You don't no, like Charlie? Hate each other. You, you no. hate each other. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie. I've never heard you use the word hate. What happened? You hate Charlie? I, I, I shouldn't say hate. I shouldn't say hate. I dislike him intensely. And I think yeah. if he were not a reporter, he would have been in the mob. Oh, my so. God. And, and you and you feel the same way about Charles Payne. You hate him, too, yes? I don't hate Charles. I don't know Charles. Yeah. I just think he shouldn't be on TV talking about the markets. <laughs> right. You know, you're like the most, the nicest, sweetest. Like, I've never seen you in 20-something <laughs> oh. years. It's just unbelievable this this back and forth of competition between like you and Fox Business. It's it's very ugly, Ronnie. Very ugly. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, man, you don't you don't play to lose, dude. No, you know? I got you. I got you. And listen, I'm yeah. not afraid to tell people that you and I are very, very close. You're a dear friend. I think Absolutely. you're brilliant. So, uh, you know, the, the Biden administration has redefined the word recession. I ask no, everybody. Yes, I have. No, I ask everybody. No. Are we, yes, I have. No. Are, we, are we in the middle no. of a recession? Where are we? Yes, I have. Uh, so you tell me, where are we in terms of that word recession, which I used to know what it meant, but not anymore. <laughs> okay, so if, if you're taking Econ 101 or you have a seventh grade education, then you go with the two quarters of contracting economic activity, which barely occurred in the first and second quarters of this year. Government spending subtracted four percentage points of growth from the economy in the second quarter. The unemployment rate's three and a half percent. We're adding 500,000 jobs a month. We'll see what Friday's unemployment report has to say about that. You're not in a recession when you're still adding jobs. You're in a recession when the unemployment rate goes up, when there are business closures, when there are massive layoffs, when there are all kinds of dislocations in the economy. We're not having that. There are some technical reasons why GDP turned negative in the first and second quarters. If you look at the dollar value of GDP in the first and second quarters, it actually grew. When you adjusted it for inflation, which was higher than the pace of growth, the number came out negative. So it, it's it's a math issue. It's not a growth issue. So nobody's redefining anything, and there's not a single legitimate economist who would define what we just went through as a recession. Now, me, we may be well heading towards one. There are big sectors of the economy that are slowing down, housing and other areas, retail, uh, where we're seeing in the airline ticket orders and things like that, a pronounced slowdown in activity. We're not in a recession right now, and it's just a it is a political talking point to suggest that we are. It's not an economic talking point. I can't believe you hate Charlie Gasparino. I'm just, I'm just shocked by this. I, I shouldn't say hate. Well, I no, you, no, you hate him. No, you do I hate him. No, you hate him. No, you do. I, yeah. I mean, if, if, if I had the boxing skills, well, actually, <laughs> I really don't want to spend time with Charlie. It would be Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity at the same time in the ring for charity. And I would just beat him bloody. So those are the two guys you hate even more than Charlie Gasparino, Tucker and Sean. I, I think I these are, by the way, these are all my friends, Ron. You know that, right? I know. I know. Yeah. Like Sean's, Sean's fine. Yeah. I, he just <laughs> misinforms horribly. Tucker, I think, is actually doing a enormous disservice to the country yeah. by, yeah. number one, supporting Vladimir Putin in what? his war in Ukraine. Oh, Haven't not. you heard him? Oh, Listen to what he said. He's the best TV I, host I would, we've had since Bill O'Reilly. No one's even close. You know that. I would beat that bow tie wearing little <laughs> jerk. To See, a pulp. This is why I miss love you. And this is why I love you. Because you may come off like that smiley, nice guy out of Englewood talking stocks, but there's a part of Ron and Santa that is absolutely venomous. Venomous. I'm Sicilian, man. What do you expect? I know, I know. I ain't messing with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody knows where MetLife Stadium is, and everybody knows what's underneath it in my world. <laughs> That's right. Jimmy Hopper, you put him there. Hey, listen, yeah. uh, that is a great job this morning. Thank you, as always, uh, for hopping on. Thank you, too, for the opportunity in this uh, new uh, movie, Tank Job, that you're going to be producing shortly. Anytime, time, Bert. Bert, that's right. You can call me Bert. And uh, thank you for everything, Ron. I really love you. Thank you, pal. Thank you so much. All right. There he is from CNBC. (laughs) Fired up. Ron and Santa, 640 in the morning. And by the way, you learn quite a bit there. Whether you agree with him about recession, I don't care. God. You learn quite a bit there. He's a very, very smart guy. And uh, he brought ugliness, which is all we ever want. So congratulations, Ron. 